there is a bone in Gilead to make the wounded whole. There is a bone in Gilead to heal the sin-sick soul. Sometimes I feel discouraged and think my work's in Master, Psalm of David. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall the enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice, because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, because he has dealt bountifully with me. Psalm 13, ESV. Well, hello and welcome to A Balm in Gilead podcast. I'm Grant. And I am Brian. And together, uh, we want to welcome you yet again to the Balm in Gilead podcast. And also Boy, together. That was well planned. And together, yes. we are the Balm in Gilead. <laughs> but only the podcast, the actual Balm in like Gilead is Christ. Re- re- yeah, I, I think we need to re-record our end uh, credits and say, you know, you know, kind of like we are farmers, bump it boom that thing. Yeah. Uh and, and we just like we are the Bomb and Gilead, Gilead podcast. podcast. But bum 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 All right. And now we're getting way off the rails and we're only uh, four seconds into what else the show. Is new? All right. Well, what do we got to uh talk about today? All right, today uh we are going to we're gonna talk about a, a new song that we heard this week that we, we really enjoyed. Uh we're we're going to uh we're not going to go too far in, into it, but uh, it is one that we want to share with you, and uh, we're going to send the link. But then after that, uh, Grant is actually going to take the lead in this episode because uh, he found a really interesting story uh, on Facebook and did some Grant, research. Grant, take the wheel. Grant, yeah. take the wheel. Um, yeah, that reminds me of uh, an article I read about how the uh, the safety people. Uh, really are warning Christians not to physically let Jesus take the wheel. That is causing <laughs> automobile accidents. But, oh, the bee. Trusted source of Christian news satire. Um, yes, it is. I downloaded the Babylon Bee app finally. and How's that gone for you? Oh, Has I've it destroyed your productivity? Of, have, it has destroyed mm. my productivity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll probably, I might be deleting it next week. <laughs> or at least after, after my uh, 
coronacation, which also includes 50 hours of work each week. Um, I'm still working, by the way, 50 hours. Excellent. Yes, my my table has food. I do, uh, yeah, yeah, it's been crazy. Anyway. Um, it has. Uh, so, um, well, uh, th- what is this new exciting song that uh, that we got here? All right, and this, again, was one that you found and you sent it to me. It is, oh, yeah, it is titled uh, The Worship Song Song. It is The Worship Song Song. It's by Random Action Verb Worship. And, um, well, it really spoke to the kind of soul that you and I have yes. uh, here for this kind of music. I, I um, would argue that this song is better than Grace Gracefully Graces Me, mm, uh, mm-hmm. but it at least is is real close. Like, this is same it vein. Is. This has better prosody. It, it actually does have better prosody and mm-hmm. also has a less distracting slideshow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, whereas Grace Gracefully Graces Me was intentionally trying to write like a bad song, this one is is more like the uh, the literal music video version of a worship song, where the song yeah. is breaking the fourth wall the whole time and just explaining where it is in the song. <laughs> um, notable notable things, notable parts of the song. I'd say the pre-chorus is fantastic. Uh, it's mm-hmm. the, the pre-chorus is, um, life has got me down. I'm at the end of my rope. Here's an out of context Bible verse about hope. Uh, it's just gold. The, uh, the bridge. Yes. The bridge is, is fantastic. This guy comes in and just starts like shouting out all of the random, uh, stereotypes that make its way into uh, into worship songs. Uh, <laughs> it's something I, I don't remember the, the exact words, but it's like uh, um, the the water is rising and the fire is burning, and they all surrender to you, and so I surrender to you. And uh, yeah, fire fire rhymes with desire. I think it's one of the lines. <laughs> Uh, that one, that one was really good. And, and now I'm crying and I'm raising my hands to you. And then, uh, but then close to the end of the song, it's the, the guy, the main guy is singing. He's like, we're keeping it vague. And, uh, and I promise the song is not about my ex. And then everyone like stops playing and looks at him. He's like, this song is about Jesus. This song is about Jesus. We forgot to mention Jesus. <laughs> we forgot to mention Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the chorus, it is repetitive. It is repetitive. It is repetitive. <laughs> All my problems are gone. Some of the, uh, the, the comments are actually fairly humorous as well. I mean, yeah, one of the first one is the rich blonde female talking about her awful life really spoke to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the part where the keyboardist was goofing off on his phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a nice touch. It was. It, it was. Just, it was very well done. Oh yeah, the, this is we're this is the chorus with no instruments. Chorus with no <laughs> instruments. Just, yeah. Just. A- the, just a church, just a church. Yeah. yeah. Or I, I like it when, when they're like the court, you know, it is repetitive. And they're like, yes, it is. <laughs> um, 
so they also have a behind the scenes of the worship song song. Okay. I haven't and, seen that one yet. Um, I have not either, but I am going to do that at some point. And then they also have, they really got a lot of mileage out of this because they also released the worship song song unplugged. Nice. <laughs> nice. And I saw they had like some merch available too. But... Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. It was fantastic. I need to follow these people. Uh, I already did, actually. I subscribed. After School Program is what they're called. Um, so I haven't checked out any of the rest of their stuff, but this was just so well done uh, that I had to had to follow. Yeah, it's yeah. We we need to Ooh. we need to reach out to them and see if they want to be on the show. Oh no, kidding! Um, I just found Brian. This will be interesting. They actually had uh, Twelve Days of Chick Fil A. Uh, song music video here um so we definitely need to need to get them on yep cool so if you're listening which you're probably not because (laughs) we're small time and you probably haven't heard of us but if you're listening and you want to be on the show just email us at there is at bombcast.com and if you are listening and you aren't you know some band on YouTube and you think we're cool and you want us to read something that you wrote on the show, email us at there is at bombcast.com. You never know. We might one day ask you to be on the show or just read what you wrote one or the other. And now we'll get you on there. Now back to our normal broadcast. And if you find yourself yelling at your iPod, feel free to reach out to us at and join our Slack channel at slack.techreformation.com where you can sign up to follow our show. You can interact with the hosts at the Balm and Gilead channel or many of the other fantastic uh, podcasts that are available there. Uh, That is slack.techreformation.com to get an invite and then uh, you'll be in. We'll we'll let you. I mean, we won't let you, but somebody will. And they don't, they don't keep your information. They, they just use it to get you in and then they delete it or they sell it to someone in China. One or the other. Um, We're sure it's fine. We're we're sure it's fine. But uh, have you, have you had a chance to check out our comps lately? Man, I have. And actually uh, Chris Seahorn, who says he knows you. Yes, he does. uh, Wrote in to say, I may have missed it from the laughing, but I would have appreciated a longer exploration of the biblical references behind Grant's lyric, Our God Has Pwned the Grave. Come for the bad jokes, stay for the theological breakdown of popular songs. I love it. I love it. And I thank him, Chris. Thank you for writing in. Uh, you you literally made my day on Tuesday, April the 14th. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, he's Chris is part of my, my small group. So between Chris and Karen Greenfield, I think that that makes up at least four of our, uh, yeah. Four of our listeners. I think that they make up two of four of our four listeners, I think is what I was going to say. But then I, then I got my, my math all backwards. Anyway. I also have a point of real-time follow-up. Okay. Uh, my wife wrote from the other room, no one has an iPod anymore. <laughs> and while true and correct, it's a it's still reference funny. to a podcast that nobody listening to this podcast probably understands. So, yeah, except fun. for me, of course. Except for you. <laughs> so, have you have you had a chance to, to check out our uh, our podcast comps lately? Oh no, I haven't. 
Um, have we have we moved some of the uh, Joyce Myers to the side? No, and, uh, no, we oh. haven't. Oh, number one is still Joel Osteen. Number two is still Stephen <laughs> Furtick. <laughs> number three, we got we got Tim Keller, and number four is Bible okay. Project. But uh, Jen Hatmaker made the list this week. Uh, uh, okay, and uh, Joyce Myers still on there at least once. We we kicked out the uh, the the Joseph Smith papers. Well, that's something. I mean, that's something. So at least we're in the realm of people who claim Christianity. Um, <laughs> so, please uh, rate and review. That's it, our number one that's thing. If you, you are listening to this right now and you think we're awful, just give us a five star rating and tell us why you think we're awful and move on, and then don't listen to this again. <laughs> but even if you, but if you love us. Why aren't you leaving us a review? Why, do you want people to, to listen to us and then immediately go and listen to, to Joel Osteen? Because that's on your hands. I'm driving <laughs> everyone away. I'm driving everyone away. All right. Yes. So, mm. speaking of driving people away. Oh, boy. In the bus. Uh, so, uh, why don't we jump into our main topic, I guess. I mean, we got nothing better to do. Yeah, sounds good. Clearly. Clearly. <laughs> All right. So are you familiar with the artist Jeremy Riddle, Brian? Uh, yes. Yes, I am. In fact, uh, he he wrote a song. Uh, one of his earlier, his earlier songs is one that I still uh, really enjoy, and that's called Sweetly Broken. Oh, uh, yeah. Off the Full Attention album, I believe. Yes. And that was, I think you mentioned earlier, that was under uh, Vineyard, under that umbrella. Yeah, I know he was associated with Vineyard like early on, um, and I think yeah, I'm looking it up now. Two thousand copyright two thousand seven Vineyard Worship exclusively distributed by Integrity Music. So, yeah, it was. And, uh, and that song kind of skyrocketed him to to fame, which drew the attention of some folks out west. Um. I can't imagine who you're talking about. Is it, uh, is it, is it, is it, um, Westminster Seminary? No, it's further west than that. It oh, would further be west. A, okay. I'm, I'm thinking coastal region. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I actually don't know where, where Reading is. I don't know if it's a coastal city or not. Reading. No, no, think that about seems it. to ring a bell. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about Bethel. I am. I am talking about Bethel. Yeah. So, okay. All right. Uh, do you have any feelings about about that? Or well, I would I would recommend everyone buckle their seatbelts and prepare for a fun ride because that's where we're talking about today. Okay. Uh, we are going to talk about Jeremy Riddle, some of his uh, last couple of years, especially um, where he is now, where he has been, and uh, I think we're also going to get into a little bit of. NAR, uh, the New Apostolic Reformation, what all that means, and what does that mean for you? So, uh, so yeah. Jeremy Riddle, cool. he started off yeah. uh, with Vineyard, but quickly made his way over to Bethel, and he was there for, what was it, like 10 years, something like that? At least, I don't know. I, I think he left Bethel to become a worship pastor somewhere else. I don't, I don't know where. 
Um, but yeah, I believe so. Yeah, and uh, he's most notable for his song Sweetly Broken, and he also has a writing credit on the song This Is Amazing Grace by Phil Wickham. Um, yes. And so I know that those are... Those he's are... also in a quite a few Bethel albums. Mm-hmm. Um, like, he is in uh, The Loft Sessions. Do you remember that? Uh, I don't. Okay. Uh, he was definitely in there. Uh, he was in Tides... Uh, he was in Have It All, Sing Along 3. Um, he's also more recently been on some Worship Circle stuff. Okay, yeah, I'm, um, I'm familiar with that. Yeah, so he actually was on Worship Circle Hymns uh, back in 2019. Back All the way back in 2019. All the way back to last year. But yeah, he actually did Blessed Assurance on that album. Okay. And... Uh, so he's been he's been involved, you know. He's been around, um, and definitely associated with Bethel for a lot of this. Uh, I think he's been like one of their like head worship ministers. Oh yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And from everything that I can tell, like he has been, you know, fully, you know, behind their theology. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk a little bit about what what uh, we see that as but if you have you know kind of personal uh or a little bit better handle on what it is they actually believe we don't want to misrepresent anything uh but we'll talk a little bit about what we understand that to be yeah so the i'd say the the kind of exciting thing about um the last couple years has been that uh he's gotten out He's gotten, gotten out of Bethel. He, yes, he's, he's kind of he's he's escaped it. Uh, some would say. Maybe I mean, <laughs> I I don't know if he has escaped the 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 theology there, or if he has uh, just uh, gone on to, you know, pursue other things. Uh, I'm not actually sure. Yeah, he's he's had some he's had some interesting Facebook posts. Oh, yes, he has. So we'll get into a little bit of, more about behind uh the the Bethel and New Apostolic Reformation type beliefs and whatnot in a little bit, but we found this post of his from April 10th, 2020. Uh, a little bit interesting, and I'll just go ahead and read it, and then we'll talk a little bit about it. Sound good to you? Sounds great. All right. So we'll do this, you know, small group style. Maybe I'll read the first paragraph, and you'll read the second one. I don't have it pulled up. No, no that's, that's all right. That's all right. I'm just teasing. <laughs> um, okay. I find myself increasingly troubled when I look at Western Christian culture and see such a startling lack of representation or instruction on vital, all in caps, teachings in Scripture particularly the passages that warn warn and admonish. It troubles me that the teachings on these passages are virtually non-existent in modern preaching. But if I sit down and just read a couple of chapters of Scripture, they're so prevalent I can't escape all caps them. And no, I'm not talking about the Old Testament slash covenant. I'm talking about the teachings of Jesus, his apostles, Peter, 
James, John, Paul, those guys. So much heresy is running rampant in the church because we're not clearly preaching the reality of eternal judgment, the reality of heaven and hell, or the frequent commands concerning holiness, godliness, purity, and true Jesus apprenticeship. I don't quite know how we, I don't know quite how we got here, but somehow we've created quote-unquote Christian end quote, cultures that edit scriptures, removing the gravity of his holy commandments and numb people's ears to real truth. If you want a glimpse into the last two years of my life, it has mostly been about deep and ongoing repentance as I've let his words pierce me, at times even terrify me, real fear and trembling, deep grieving over my sin and brokenness, and not once was it disconnected from his love, his mercy, or his goodness. In fact, I have felt all those things, the strongest in the midst of it. His truth is merciful. His truth is love. His truth is good. But oh, the warfare over truth in our lives. How great our need of his discipline. I'm not wagging a crooked judgmental finger. I literally write this in tears. My loving appeal is this. Read scripture as though your life depended on it. Not a paraphrase. They're helpful commentaries, but should never replace the reading of Scripture. Not the mirror Bible, which is nothing but deception, cleverly packaged as a paraphrase, have nothing to do with it. If you read Christian literature more than the Word, stop and reverse that. Now more than ever, feed on the Word of God. Let it refine you, preserve you, guard and equip you for every good, fruit-bearing work. The times ahead demand it. So, I mean, that was pretty incredible. And as of the time of this recording, that has generated 14,000-ish responses on, on Facebook. Yeah, and That would include 7.7 thousand likes, 6.6 thousand loves. 110,000, um, I believe, wows, 42 laughter, 8 anger, 3 something else. I don't know. Anyway, the point is a lot of people are, um, oh, I'm sorry, 8 laughters, three, 3 angers, 42 sads, 110 wows. Um, I forgot the order there. Um the point is, though, this is really unexpected, mm-hmm. I would say. I would say and so. it's this is and the reason it's so unexpected is because this isn't what I would say Bethel would teach. No, no from my is, understanding, this is absolutely not what Bethel would teach. Uh, in fact, I want to want to say something. One thing that really uh, stood out to me is he is talking about repentance leading him to fear. It is leading mm-hmm. him toward mm-hmm. fear. And then the way he describes his fear, right. it's the fear of the Lord is what he is yeah. describing. And so right. what Bethel teaches is that repentance leads you away from fear. It helps you conquer mm-hmm. fear because repentance mm-hmm. is thinking like God thinks. And... Uh, and so that that is what he has been taught is when you repent, you are 
training yourself to think like God thinks, and therefore you can conquer your fears. But what he is saying is the scriptures have led him to repentance, and repentance has led him to fear the Lord. And that is how repentance actually works. And so this is exciting. Uh, it, it is incredibly exciting. It's like the reversal of the Marty Samson. Yeah, uh, probably in a lot of in a lot of ways. Um, I mean, here we're seeing uh, just a completely different side of this guy. What I find interesting is that the, he sees the need for deep and ongoing repentance mm-hmm. as he's let the words of God pierce him. Yeah. Um, and that is pretty opposite of everything I understand uh, Bethel to teach. And um, not once was it disconnected from and, and, and seeing then that repentance as connected to God's love yeah. and his mercy. Uh, it's just very, uh, yeah, it, it's very different. And, you know, he notes that, boy, people really aren't talking about this much right now. Yeah. And why is that? So these messages have, of course, been making their way around. Um, and are you familiar with Lindsay Davis knots? Uh, I'm not other than uh, what you have shared with me. Uh, okay. I, I believe she was a, she was a student at yes. the Bethel school of supernatural ministry. Um, yeah. BSSM. The SSM for those scoring at home. Uh-huh. Uh, but she was uh, expelled after she kind of made some public statements that painted their theology in a negative light. Well, it wasn't necessarily that. She was really just trying to ask questions. Okay. And that's what got her in trouble. Uh, she actually appeared on a show uh, called Cultish. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more of a podcast, but they also have a presence on YouTube. And in a three-part uh, story of her... Uh, leaving slash getting kicked out of um, BSSM and really moving into a a more, you know, orthodox position. Okay. Um, It's really fascinating. I mean, to hear from somebody on the inside, what it's actually like there. Um, So I will link to this in the show notes, but I would definitely encourage you to check that out. And that's that's put up by um, Apologia, correct? Um, I believe so. Yeah, James White is one of the elders there, and you may know him. But then Jeff Durbin is actually the lead pastor, I believe, uh, there. And their church is very heavily involved. They're located in the Phoenix area. They recently opened up a church in Kauai, in Hawaii. Uh, they do a lot of like ministering to uh, Mormons. They are also very active in the abortion mills uh, mm-hmm. and trying to get people to not kill their children. Uh, so, yeah, anyway, he's a, he, he's an interesting dude for sure. But uh, they also have, as part of Apologia Church, uh, this, this program called Cultish. And they interview people coming out of cults. And one of those is this Lindsay Davis Knotts. So, so wait, wait a second. Are, are you are you yeah, telling yeah. me that they define Bethel Church as a cult? Well, the show is called Cultish, and they—I I mean, I will leave you to make your own surmisation. 
Uh, my, own my own surmisation is that Bethel is a cult. That is my as well. I would not trust them with much of anything, especially, and, and a lot of it has to do, because I, I mean, I didn't know. I don't, I, don't, yeah. I, I didn't know a whole, a whole lot about them um, before this, but I watched the first two of these um, things and it's just like ridiculous. Like I had no idea that this kind of stuff is going on in uh, a place that's calling themselves a church. Uh, it's actually really worrying, but she also posted about uh, Jeremy Riddle's um, post. And I just wanted to read what she said because she's coming at it from a former Bethel um, position. Like she used to be in the in crowd there. And she says that former Bethel worship artist, Jeremy Riddle posted this last night. He's well known for his songs like all hail King Jesus, his cover of this is amazing grace and be enthroned. Jeremy left Bethel Church to lead worship elsewhere around the time that I arrived at Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry over a year ago. When I saw this post last night, I was shocked. It's clear that God could be doing something in his heart, giving him a high view of scripture, showing him heresies in the church, giving him brokenness over his own sin, etc. This is something to rejoice over. However, if you scroll through his post before this one, you can see some NAR theology still influencing his writings and beliefs. Um, and she goes on to encourage people to pray uh, for him. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say one of the things that, that I, I thought was really interesting that she said was what he needs right now is he needs prayer and he needs patience and he needs grace. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he's going to say stuff that's wrong. And he does. And the worst thing you can do is just jump down his throat. Right. Uh, gently rebuke him. Uh, he wants that. He wants to be pointed. He wants people to point out where things are wrong. And so we should gently rebuke him if if we feel like we should but don't jump down his throat give him grace give him patience he's coming around is basically what she said i hope that's true i, I mean too, yeah i i don't know it's hard to tell it's just one post and i will say that he did have a follow-up as well i mm -hmm. mean he received a lot of a lot of comments on that one and i didn't really read through many of them uh, comments being on the internet and whatnot um, where he said Hebrews 12 therefore since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God I don't know what version of uh, the Bible that is, but it, um, you know, that's pretty obviously Hebrews 12, one through three ish. Mm -hmm. And he writes a comment under that, that says my journey of repentance the last two years has been about this and this alone, letting go of all the weights slash hindrances to my mission and calling lots of good comma fun stuff left by the wayside. Uh, dealing with the sin that's wanted to cling so closely and sabotage so subtly and bringing my whole life, my behaviors, habits, speech, thoughts, desires, relationships, etc., into full alignment with his written words and commands. Because I love Jesus and want more than anything to be faithful to him. My last post was not about church camp wars, nor was it intended to fuel them. I love the church. I repeat, I 
love, dot, 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 in all its biblically defined glory and divine nature, dot, 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 the church, period. And yes, I do see some of her weaknesses, faults, and misguided beliefs, which is why I wrote what I wrote as lovingly as I knew how. I'm not mad. I'm not yelling. I'm grieving. I know it's not a perfect post, and in hindsight, there are several things I would change. It was purely meant to exhort and encourage us to cling to and proclaim the full truth of his written word like never before. He will never attain, we will never attain the Christian maturity the times demand with such poor, unholistic spiritual diets. We must know his word. Lastly, for all other crusaders of the truth, might I offer a little hard-earned wisdom? The reason why Jesus calls our issue a plank and our brother's issue a splinter is because the biggest thing that stands in the way of us being any real help to our brother, aka the broader body of Christ, is pride, arrogance, assumed superiority, and an utter lack of humility. And until we recognize our plank, acknowledging it as the massive log that it is, humbling ourselves, and go through the painstaking process of removing it, we will be horrible surgeons to our brothers and sisters. Historically, my planks have been pride, offense masquerading as righteous indignation, the absence of love, tenderness, and the heart of the Father. What are yours? Question mark. This one only gets 2.6 thousand reactions. <laughs> um, give it time. For those of you scoring at home. But, uh, yeah, give it time, I suppose. But, uh, yeah, I mean, when you read that, you're you're thinking, boy, he's he's not backing down, you know. No. Um, and if anything, he's he's trying to show, hey, look, I'm actually not the one who should be, you know, moving on this. This should be you, right? And I, you know, again, I have no idea of the number of people who responded to. Him. I, you know, I don't I don't know what that response is like. Um, but I wonder if some of them are from this, this more, uh, what's known as new apostolic reformation type camp. Yeah. Um, and are kind of responding out of that because they feel maybe called out in some way. Yeah. And, and even like when he talks about like what the plank represents, um, mm -hmm he talks about, you know, the superiority complex and he talks about uh, a couple other things. Like everything that he listed are, are attributes of new apostolic reformation churches. Um, new apostolic reformation, like what in, in a, a nutshell, as far as kind of what I've gleaned over the past few years, mm -hmm. they believe that they uh, hold the office of apostle as described in an acts and in some of the epistles where they believe that for some of them, especially that God has called them to an office, um, that contains authority, uh, authority over health, authority over demonic spirits, authority over in some cases, uh, sin and forgiveness. Um, and, um, you know, you get the all of the charismatic gifts, the speaking in tongues. You get mm -hmm. uh, prophecy. You get you know the different 
different things involved. Um, and if you remember, the name of the school was the uh, the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. And essentially, like your your goal in this school is to unlock your spiritual gifts, your your apostolic mm-hmm. spiritual gifts and charismatic mm-hmm. spiritual gifts. And that's why it's why you go to this school. It, it is not to learn theology. It is to basically become a superhero, and uh, and that's what NAR basically is. Uh, there's a, a you know for those scoring at home, you know that we have a <laughs> <clears throat> that we we've referenced multiple times, and I know lots of places reference this uh, this situation that happened at Bethel where. All of a sudden, there was gold dust flying in the in the air, and or sometimes there would be feathers falling from the sky. And what they said it was was the Holy Spirit was visiting their church. Uh, they yeah. said that it was a mark that they were doing things right, essentially for the first time in two thousand years that their church had figured out the correct way to interact with God, and the Holy Spirit blessed them. By appearing, and so they should yeah, somehow they unlocked the uh, yeah. the 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 you know the puzzle box to God. Like somehow right. they they pushed all God's right buttons. Which, if that doesn't you know raise your spidey senses, I don't know yeah. what will. But uh, but Bill Johnson, the the mm-hmm. the senior pastor there, he basically said, you know, I'm not going to stop you from worshiping this. If this is God, you should worship it. And that is literally what Aaron said to the Israelites at the foot of Mount Sinai when he made the golden calf. Um, so this is your God, worship it. Yeah. And uh, this is the God that brought you out of Egypt, worship it. And clearly the Holy Spirit did not show up at Bethel Redding because they were doing things correct. Uh, they clearly pumped the gold dust into their own fog machine and the, and they dropped feathers from the ceiling in order to specifically and intentionally dupe their congregation. I mean, there's no other reasoning for it. Um, this was a malicious act by the leadership in the church to, uh, to manipulate the emotions of their congregants so that they will continue to follow exactly what they're saying. That is the mark of a cult. Um, and, and this is basically what I said to you earlier today. This is why I am afraid of Bethel Redding uh, and the influence that they have. It, it all stems from this new apostolic reformation. Um, and something else that I find very interesting about it is most people that, that the outside looking in would say that is a mark of new apostolic reformation. Those on the inside would say, oh, I'm not New Apostolic Reformation. Like they recognize that that term, New Apostolic Reformation or NAR, is bad. Like they, they, right. they realize that that is a cult like label and they deny well, it. Well, I mean, you just take a look at like the one of the guys who, who the guy who coined the phrase, his name uh, was, he died in 2016, but C. Peter Wagner. And he was actually for 30 years out at Fuller Theological Seminary, School of World Missions, which uh, incidentally is where my dad went to seminary, and John Piper, too. Uh, That's not to say that 
it's there's a lot of good things about Fuller. Uh, don't get me wrong, um, but his belief, uh, NPR, uh, National Public Radio, actually interviewed him back in 2011. Okay, and just uh, you know, I don't know. It, it, it's always interesting to look at Christianity through the lens of somebody who's not Christian at all, mm-hmm. uh, AKA NPR, NPR yeah. and just to, to see their perspective on, on, on things. And some of what they ask him about is just really interesting. Like uh, on Alice Patterson, I'm going to quote from the article here real quick on um, Alice Patterson, a leader in the new apostolic reformation, one of the leadership team members at Rick Perry's prayer rally saying on stage at the rally that the Democratic Party is a demon structure. And this is what uh, Wagner says. I personally would not endorse each one of her statements, and especially the statement about the Democratic Party being demonized any more than the Republican Party is. I mean, I believe there's a lot of demonic control over Congress in general that needs to be dispersed. So that gets at two different key elements of what I've figured are, you know, I'm no expert, but the NAR theology, and that is one, dominion, um, they, uh, NAR theology looks to, to exercise dominion over all spheres of life. That includes government, that includes, you know, uh, entertainment, Hollywood, that sort of thing, uh, local government, um, state government, everything like that. But also, it gets across kind of this idea that um, the big problem is all the demons running around. And if we just have people casting out demons everywhere, that is going to, you know, that 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 is going to do uh, some very some good. Now, I'm not denying that demons are real uh, at all, but I believe they ascribe a little um, too much power mm-hmm. to demons. You know, uh, they they kind of uh, this his quotes during in this article, and I don't know if it's was the way that he was asked or something like that. But uh, I I feel like it's almost to that point where he's seen a demon behind every rock kind of thing. Yeah, and that's that is uh, that is an error. Uh, I would say an, an equal error would be that there are no, there's no demonic influence at all, and that everything right. is just, you know, more natural. That there's not mm-hmm. a lot of spiritual warfare, and that's where we in the reform camp can tend to err. Um, but yeah, to to say we just need to go to Congress and expel all the demons, that way everything will be better. That's mm-hmm. that's definitely taking away human responsibility and part of repentance. Uh, hinges on the concept that humans are responsible for their own actions. So if demons are responsible for all of our evil actions, then we have no need to repent of our sin. Right. So more to the point on what he means by dominion over like business, government, media, arts, education, family, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. He, He said in terms of taking dominion, we don't, we wouldn't want to, we use the word dominion, but we wouldn't want to say that we have dominion as if we're the owners or we're the rulers of, let's say, the arts and entertainment mountain. What we strive to do and our goal is to have people in the arts and entertainment mountain who are 
committed to the kingdom of God. So therefore, we use the adjective there, kingdom-minded believers. And our goal is to try to have as many kingdom-minded believers in positions of influence in the arts and entertainment mountain as possible. And the reason for that is to help bring the blessings of heaven to all those in the arts and entertainment mountain. So what what you kind of see there is this whole idea. Now, don't get me wrong, you know, we should want Christians in different spheres of life. I, mm-hmm. I think that's a, that's a good thing. Um, uh, I'm, I'm kind of saying that uncritically at the moment. I, I you know, I'm, I, I can't think of, uh, the, the, you know, that opens up a theonomy discussion, which I am not equipped to make right now. Uh, but uh, so suffice to say, there are probably other beliefs on this as well, but it, it, you know, it seems like when, Christ called us to be salt and light. That mm-hmm. means, you know, that we should kind of be spread out and uh, we should use our gifts as we are given them to, you know, work for God's kingdom. And uh, I, I don't see a reason with that, but it's the whole idea that that's where your hope lies. Yeah. That this is how the blessings of heaven uh, is, are, are going to come down. It's uh, kind of what the late Chuck Colson would, would call looking for hope coming in on air force one, you know, Uh, and somehow if we just get, just get the right, you know, the right guy uh, to be president, um, you know, if Donald Trump can just be president one more term, (laughs) we'll be okay. Uh, And it's just faulty thinking, you know, it's just faulty thinking. Um, So, he, they also, obviously, as the the title New Apostolic Reformation uh, conveys, they're also really into apostleship and things like that. And so uh, I just have one more quote, if you don't mm-hmm. mind, no, on what he says it means to be an apostle. And he says, in terms of the role of the apostle, one of the biggest changes from traditional churches to the new apostolic reformation is the amount of spiritual authority delegated by the Holy Spirit to individuals. And the two key words are authority and individuals, and individuals is contrasted to groups. So now apostles have been raised up by God who have a tremendous authority in the churches of the new apostolic reformation. So instead of elders or instead of other leaders like that, it would seem that he's looking for um, what he would call these apostles. Mm-hmm. Um that God is raising up and he, you know, you, you look at kind of some of the stuff that he's talking about here and it's, you know, very much continuationist, you know, Mm -hmm. would be, you know, driving out demons, healing sicknesses, uh, you know, that sort of a thing. Um, So when we consider his vision for the NAR, um, some people have referred to it as kind of a fifth branch of the church where you have Protestants, you have Catholic, Roman Catholics, uh, you have Eastern Orthodox, you have um, uh, the Coptic Christians um, mm-hmm. in Egypt. And then this would be kind of like a fifth thing. And, and sometimes you hear it called third wave. Uh, and a lot of times you see it associated with like prosperity gospel, yeah. Benny Hinn, Absolutely. Yeah. I I feel like it's a little bit different than the whole 
Benny Hinn, Creflo Dollar mm, road, mm-hmm. but it's, it's along the same alley. Uh, and the problem, sure. as you were pointing out earlier, it kind of, uh, a lot of people who you would think of as NAR have tried very, dif- uh, very hard to distance themselves from uh, this NAR um, label, if you will. Yeah. And that may be warranted. It may not be. I'm not saying it one way or the other. Uh, in fact, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, International House of Prayer IHOP mm-hmm. in Kansas City. Um, have you heard of them? I, I've, I have heard of them, uh, and I, I don't know a whole lot about them. I just know that Babylon B really dropped the ball when they did not release an article about them chasing, changing their name during the whole IHOB craze. <laughs> um, International House of Burgers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so International House of Prayer is what IHOP stands for in this particular reference. But that's, yeah, yeah. I just know that they're very charismatic, but I don't know much about their specific beliefs. Sure. Well, they published, um, I'm assuming back in around 2011, uh, the, uh, I should have done some more looking into the summer of 2011 um, because I completely missed the boat on that. Uh, whole thing like I don't even remember um, any of this from summer of 2011 but a, a, a people began to be associated with this term and International House of Prayer uh, actually came out with a press release a very carefully worded press release which we can link to in the show notes uh, saying you know and it come out and answer a lot of questions about like hey is I IHOP kind of part of this new apostolic reformation and they deny it you know um they they do not um you know associate with anything um you know they say that they have differences in theology and practice with those whom we would still consider brothers and sisters of christ um and for instance they believed in the apostles creed and many uh quote unquote classic statements of Christian doctrine, which they have a link to. And they have their own statement of faith as well. So they they really kind of see themselves as separate from there. Now, where they would definitely kind of maybe fall into that camp and maybe why they've been associated with that historically, um, at least of summer of 2011, is that they are very much continuationist. They are big into prophecy, especially. So I actually uh, have a friend. His name is John Michael Den Hartog. And a little known fun fact, our dads have been friends longer than our dads knew either of their wives. Um, so let that sink in for a moment. And... Um, uh, you know, they've spent a lot of time, a lot of their life uh, as missionaries in Colombia. And, uh, uh, you know, so this is a good friend of mine. And he's he's been down there before and is a little bit more familiar with them. So I actually asked him uh, to help me understand a little bit more about kind of what, what IHOP is all about. And he gave me permission to read this, but I'm, I'm so I'm just going to read it. And he said, well... 
I think I could accurately say that while not necessarily associated with that specific brand of theology, NAR theology, they are also not too far removed from it. They're absolutely continuationist, believing that the gifts of the Holy Spirit continue to this day. Specifically, they emphasize the prophetic gift. They have prophecy rooms there, and they have specific people that, while they probably wouldn't call them prophets, they would say that they had a prophetic anointing. They do, however, believe that God can and does speak to all of us. I never heard them refer to someone as an apostle, nor would they advocate leaving a church and starting your own with their particular brand of theology. However, since their mission is to plant houses of prayer, which often function as a church or are already connected to a church that believes similarly to them, their proponents can end up essentially in churches that believe essentially the same thing. And he goes on to say they love like Heidi Baker, Bill Johnson, and Lou Angle. Now, uh, do you know those? Uh, and Bill Johnson, he's the, yeah, the head Johnson. guy over at, yeah. And do you know Heidi Baker at all? I don't. She's an interesting one. Uh, she also distanced herself from NAR theology, but uh, she's actually at least been to Bethel. In one of the links that I sent you, there was a link to a YouTube video that mm -hmm. kind of shows her at Bethel. And um, it's, I mean, I would say it's pretty frightening stuff. Now, I got to acknowledge I'm coming from a cessationist perspective here. And, but, uh, you know, it, it is, um, it, it's really interesting. I mean, like she's like saying all this stuff about lots of mantras, lots of, uh, you know, um, place this, you know, you know, on the head of somebody else and pray 10 times and things like that, you know, and she has this one guy going into fits, you know, uh, all on the video. And this is, uh, it's very, uh, yeah, it, it gives you pause for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I don't agree with any of it. Um, but then, and then Lou Angle, I don't know. I don't know him. Yeah. I've not but, heard of him either. Anyway, um, John Michael wrote all that. Uh, so that was helpful for me to understand a little bit, um, a, a little bit more about them and maybe how they're maybe a little bit different than NAR, but um, also hold to some of the same types of beliefs as an NAR church, which makes it even more amazing when you talk about uh, Jeremy Riddle's kind of recent post. Yeah. Coming out of all that, kind of maybe, maybe coming out of that, maybe refuting a little bit of that. Yeah. Uh, we can say, hopefully, coming out of that. And, uh, <laughs> And yeah, just keep him in keep him in your prayers, especially the, that he can break free of, of the bondage of the 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 cult that is Bethel Redding. Um, and, and we, you and I, we, we talked about cults earlier, and uh, and I don't think either one of us have really studied cults in any uh, really in any big form it's but it's been a while, it's been a while. I, I mean like i've done studies before on them but i i would think that in general uh the idea of labels would be something that cults would want to avoid um i, mm -hmm. I remember a couple years ago um the latter-day saints church urging their congregants not 
to do research into their own faith. They, hmm. they said it is very really? important that you do not go looking into the origins of our faith, that you just trust us because there had been people leaving the faith because they had been like looking into the origins of Latter-day Saints. And they said, this doesn't make sense because it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. The, the book of Mormon talks about Jesus visiting the Indian tribes in North America during his 40 days. And he, uh, they were talking about elephants roaming the plains and mountains that don't exist and, and all sorts of just crazy things that just are completely garbage. And so they said, don't look into this. And uh, so I would think that the leader of a church uh, who is actively pumping gold dust into the fog machines and dropping feathers from the ceiling to dupe the people into believing that the Holy Spirit is present would not want people looking into new apostolic reformation because of the, um, because of what that label means. And because that there's so much information about don't, you know, about how NAR is bad and how NAR is, doesn't line up with the Bible. And so the, the fewer resources that you can give your congregation, the, the more that you can keep them in the dark. And I would think that that is probably part of it. But again, that is also a conjecture, but, and, and I know, I know that it is a very bold statement to look at another church that claims to be part of the bride of Christ and to say, that is a cult. Um, and that is not a part of our church. Uh, but I want to, to point out some, some videos. Uh, I don't have, we don't have them in the show notes at this moment, but I will get them to you tomorrow. Um, there are videos that are on the Bethel page on YouTube. At least they were a couple years ago. Um, there's one video in particular where the there's a youth pastor who was talking about how someone else in the church had really uh, offended him and he was just he was just angry he he just said that he was just very very angry at what this other person said and it was just more or less just ruining his his worship because he, all he could think about was how this other person had offended him and then Jesus appeared to him and begged him for forgiveness, said, forgive me. And the youth pastor said, how, why are you asking me for forgiveness? And Jesus in reply to him and said, uh, whatever anyone has done in my name, I have done. And so if he has offended you in my name, then I have offended you and I have sinned against you and you must forgive me of my sin. And uh, the, the, there's just something about that that is a little off. Right. It seems to twist the doctrine of substitutionary atonement quite a bit. Quite a bit. Um, in, in other words, it's saying that, well, this one thing um, Jesus didn't atone for, and so he's got to come back and somehow ask you for forgiveness mm -hmm. um, as if you're the center of the universe, as if you're God. Right. And that is incredibly worrisome. It is. Um, we are not God. We, God is not dependent on us. No. Um, uh, 
in fact, I was just listening to a really great podcast called The Jerusalem Chamber, and one of their back episodes on they're, they're going through the Westminster Confession of Faith, and it's uh, they're they're in section two, uh, chapter two there, and they're talking about the aseity mm-hmm. of God, and that's a word that I was not very familiar with and um, the aseity of god basically says that god is not dependent upon anyone or anything that we can't do anything for god and that we are completely dependent on god but he is not in any way dependent on us he wills and he moves how he wants um and when you all of a sudden have jesus who is God coming to you as a human asking for forgiveness. It completely misunderstands um, the aseity of, of God. Um, I, I'm thinking right away of Psalm 51 mm-hmm. against you and you only have I sinned. Who's, who's David praying that to? Is that to Bathsheba? Is that to, um, you know, uh, the Bathsheba's husband, uh, Uriah? No, it's God. He says, against you, God, have I sinned. Uh, and so to have Jesus in a dream or however this happened, coming to a human and saying, will you forgive me? Completely, completely wrong. Yeah, and, and to take it even a step further, there's another video where they have this girl. She's talking about how she went to the hospital, uh, presumably doing faith healings. She was mm. sitting with this guy, and uh, he started to code. And I mean, he was moments away from dying and she said that that god came to her and said forgive him of his sins now before he dies so that he can go to heaven and so she forgave him of his sins and then he immediately died and so she believes that this man is in heaven because she exercised the power to forgive him of his sins regardless of him being completely unconscious and not having any you know, not having any visual form of, of repentance of his sin. It was just her faith saved him because God mm-hmm. told her to forgive him, forgive him of his sins. So in Bethel, uh, Jesus asks us for forgiveness and we have the power to forgive others of their sins. I, you know, that to me sounds exactly right up the alley of like what this new apostleship might mean. Mm-hmm. And this is a, uh, in my brain, anyway, there's a category for a continuationist who is not this brand of um, apostleship, mm-hmm. where you actually are speaking, you know, almost like the Roman Catholics believe the Pope does ex cathedra. Is that, is that, or is that the, anyway, um, where the Pope speaks for mm-hmm. God? I can't remember what they call oh, what the Latin phrase for that is. I never took Latin. You, you, are what? I never took Latin. Oh no, I didn't either. But um, I mean, they, they refer to it as a yeah. special term, and so I was trying to remember that. But um, they, they, you know, the Roman Catholics will say that the Pope speaks on behalf of God, and right. so it sounds like this is that same error. And I don't think, in my mind. I'm going in circles. I no, no, um, you, we gotta cut it. No, you're making sense. Um, if if the Pope can speak authoritatively on behalf of God, 
then Bill Johnson is, believes that he also speaks authoritatively on behalf of God and that those that he gives you know, leadership in his church can then also mm-hmm. speak authoritatively on behalf of God. And so it takes away their error. Right. And so if they say something in error, um, you know, it, it all of a sudden becomes canon. Right. And we got to be careful there too, because we as Protestants believe that every time the pastor gets up to preach, um, that he is reading the word of God, the Bible mm-hmm. to the people and he is bringing forth God's word to the people through his sermon as well. Yeah. Now he's not speaking the very words of God, as I believe um, the the I, I think that's a proper understanding of the Catholic doctrine. Um, but don't quote me. And so um, there are you know very you know, fine lines, but mm-hmm. we we do need to be careful. Yeah, when my pastor gets up and preaches, he's not just giving me his opinion. And, right. I, and I trust that he's not just giving me his opinion. I've, I've heard it once right. said that, um, I had a pastor who once would say that it's like giving a uh, a research paper presentation every week. You know, he's doing the research. He is looking into what do, what do our, you know, what does the Bible say? How have other people interpreted this? You know, how... Um, how does this apply to our church directly? You know, there's lots of different things. He's not just getting up and giving his opinion, but he's also not giving the authoritative word of God with a capital A. Not not to say that what he's saying isn't, you know, doesn't have any authority over us, but there's it's not the absolute authority. My pastor can get up and err. Um, mm-hmm. However, if he errs and he causes someone to stumble there's going to be judgment for him. The Bible talks about that. And the Bible talks about, um, you know, that they will be judged, you know, almost like twice as harsh. I forget exactly where it says it, but but there's extra, you know, there's, they've got skin in the game. There's, there's something else on the line. And any pastor who seriously takes or takes a role seriously is going to be protecting his flock and not going to just be fleecing them, which is what, if, if you're if you're pumping gold dust into the fog machine, you're fleecing your congregation. You're a wolf that's just in it for the, you know, just in it for the glory. And um, and it's it's just it's very scary. Those two videos that I talked about, they're not just random YouTube videos that someone posted to call out Bethel. These are videos on Bethel's page because they're proud of them. Um, yeah, <laughs> we should be. <laughs> We should be clear, you know, we're not just making this up. And and, and we'll is... link those videos. If, if if they're still there, I'll link them. I, I know that they also, like, there are some videos of, um, of Jen Johnson, who is the daughter-in-law of Bill Johnson. She's married to, uh, to Brian Johnson, who is, I think, the main music guy. Um, and, like, she was explaining the Trinity, the doctrine of the Trinity, and it is literally like everything that's in the that's heresy patrick uh video from lutheran satire which we'll also link um she she says everything wrong plus more like the the worst thing that she says is that she that she sees the holy spirit like the genie from aladdin that he is funny that he is sneaky that he is blue 
and it's just bizarre. Like this whole video is just completely bizarre. Um, but she is a leader at this church. She has, uh, she's clearly not doing research into what the church, uh, history has said on the matter. She is not taking the role seriously. She's just, uh, she's just really blurting out her own opinions, um, which she shouldn't be doing anyway from the pulpit as, as a woman, uh, not that I am sexist or anything, but, um, you know, I am complimentarian and I don't believe that any woman should be teaching something that serious from the pulpit anyway. But even if it was her husband or her father-in-law saying that it's still wrong, it is completely absurd. Um, does not follow, uh, the Nicene creed does not follow anything that the Bible says. Um, and it's just disrespectful and, disrespecting the name of God is, uh, it's, it's a flagrant sin and breaking the third commandment. But, um, pretty much if you pull up any of their videos where there's any teaching going on, they're, they're probably a prime example of what not to preach. But, um, I, I, I point all of this out about how I believe that Bethel is a cult because they are, so influential in the music that the church at large is singing and their theology is in their music. Uh, you can't escape that. You can, you can mask it as much as you want. You can uh, redefine terms as much as you want. You can make it palatable as much as you want, but you're not going to eliminate the NAR theology from these songs. And you're not going to, uh, I mean, would you want to take songs that are that you knowing that you know were written in the Church of Latter Day Saints and sing them in your church? Would you want to do that? Would you feel comfortable doing that? And if the answer is no, which it should be, then your answer for should I be singing songs that are coming out of Bethel in my church? I see no difference. I agree, man. I agree, and it's just it, it's frightening to see um, how people um, take something mm-hmm. like the glory of God and try and reduce it to something like some gold specks in the air or that where they try to um, just, you know, like you, your, your example before of reducing God to the genie from Aladdin. Like it's, it's wrong. It's a, like you said, it's breaks the third commandment. It's, it's not right. And so I, I don't see how you can in good faith, like just say, Oh, it's not a problem to sing these songs because they maybe have some of the right words. Now, speaking of some of the words, sometimes it's helpful for me anyway to, if I hear particular terms used in a certain way, Mm -hmm. um, that helps me identify a little bit of maybe what's behind um, a particular particular statement. And so kind of as I was going through this, I wrote down uh, several of the words that seem to keep popping up and see what you think about these. Um, some of them were dominion, uh, demon, demonic, apostolic, um, you know, they believe the leaders have the apostolic gifts like healing and more. 
a kingdom, destiny, presence, glory, revival, unity, global awakening. Um, in those terms on their own, I mean, there's nothing wrong with the terms. Don't get me, you know. But when you hear them, uh, especially used together, mm-hmm. you may be dealing with uh, kind of this NAR uh, theology. Yeah, and, and so it's something to watch for, anyway. And I see that you have a you have a, a note on here that those this list primarily comes from that um, the pirate Christian uh, blog post. Yeah, a lot of them do. Um, they have a link that's called the six hallmarks of an NAR church, and they list you know apostles. They claim that we're kind of in the second apostolic age. Uh, and that they are super apostles and equal to the original apostles. Um, they they think about the kingdom, you know, rather than preaching like the gospel of the cross, uh, they're working to kind of bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. And they, you know, again, that's what we saw in that quote by uh, the, the the quote by C. Peter Wagner, where he was talking about kind of putting kingdom minded people everywhere in the media and the arts and government and schools and everywhere. Uh, But then also destiny presence, glory uh, is the third one that the pirate Christian kind of mentions. And so the members are always charismatic, but they frequently emphasize a manifestation of glory in God's presence. Um, Fourth, they mention revival and revival is like, you know, kind of like end times harvest. Mm -hmm. Think about, you know, stadiums chock full of people. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Uh, Unity um, and unity part Christian mentions at the expense of biblical doctrine uh, is kind of like how and why for this movement, they want to like supposedly bring heaven and earth together, um, you know, blur the doctrinal and denominational lines. This is sort of like a more or less a, Hey, let's all, let's all just be, you know, be Christian together kind of a thing. <laughs> like a no creed, um, but Christ. Um, yeah, I don't know uh, if they would say that in particular, but I wouldn't be surprised. Sure. Uh, then the NAR also, in pirate Christian's eyes here denies the sufficiency of scripture Um, only because, you know, and and that goes along with the hearing from God, some of the stories that you told, some of the stories that Bethel puts on their page, things like that. Um, And and so those are some traits to kind of look for when evaluating sort of a song for sure, if that you're singing in your church or, uh, maybe even some teaching that you've you've heard somewhere along the line. Yeah, and I know that um, that Jeremy Riddle mentioned the Mirror Bible, which I'm not completely familiar with, but I know there's also the Passion Translation, which uh, I've, I've translation in quotes, translation FYI, quotes. and uh, and I'm not familiar overly with it. I've never I've never read it personally, but from what I understand. It's about fifty percent. Yeah, it's about fifty percent longer than the uh, than a traditional translation. They just 
throw in. Do you know why? Probably because they're adding in a lot of stuff. They are, but uh, the reason that they're adding in a lot of stuff is because they he uh there there is only one person who is actually like writing this mm-hmm. so-called translation and he is not well trained in either hebrew or greek and so he's taking kind of like the words uh that a lot of the words that are translated one way in in the bible and mm-hmm. but you know how a lot of words have more than one meaning? Yeah, so is this kind of like an amplified Bible? Uh, worse. Uh, yeah. This is where he's putting in all the different <laughs> word meanings, essentially. Um, and there's a really great article that I will link to in the show notes from Themilios. Um, it's a journal, theological mm. journal, uh, that I sometimes read parts of. And uh, that really helped me kind of work through this and so i'll be sure to put that in the, drop that in the show notes for y'all you yeah. can take a look at it from from what i understand bethel reads exclusively from the passion uh, translation or at least it used to at one point uh brian simmons that's the guy behind this uh i don't know too much about him but yeah He's inserted so much new material into the text that it is at least 50% longer than the original. Cool. I didn't, I didn't so. make up that number. I, I, did, I did, in fact, read it somewhere. Um, <laughs> it, it's always good when, when a plan comes together. <laughs> yes, it is. So anyway, I will definitely link to that in the show notes. But um, as we kind of close today, I just want to say you know definitely be praying for jeremy riddle mm-hmm. uh be praying about uh where he's at what he's reading and um th- those kinds of things not only because he is a influential person but because he is beginning to uh see truth and we want to definitely encourage that here at the ball Gilead podcast absolutely um, and also hopefully there's something here that you can take away and think about when you're in church singing a particular song or listening to a song on a radio or even just uh, listening to some sort of uh, teaching or uh, somebody out there in the world who is giving you what they claim to be a, kind of a Christian perspective on things. Um, just some things to look for. Absolutely. And, uh, and hopefully, like we, we mentioned, hopefully, uh, Jeremy is getting out of this this cultish uh, environment, and we also uh, praise God that Lindsay was able to to break free as well. So, uh, with that spirit in mind, uh, I'll close this out by saying, "Out of my bondage, sorrow, and night, Jesus, I come. Jesus, I come into Thy freedom, gladness, and light. Jesus, I come to Thee." There is a bomb in Gilead to make the wounded whole. There is a bomb in Gilead to heal the sin-sick soul. To never feel discouraged, for Jesus is
for listening to the Balming Gilead podcast. We love hearing from you, so email us at thereis at balmcast.com. We are a part of the Tech Reformation family of podcasts, and you can discuss our show and much more at slack.techreformation.com. We'll see you there. If you enjoyed the Balming Gilead podcast, please encourage others to listen. We value your feedback. So rate, review, and recommend the show in your podcast app of choice. And with that, we'll see you next time on the Balm in Gilead podcast. Good deal. Good deal. That's a wrap, my friend. That is a grilled wrap with spicy chicken. Mmm. You know I love me some Chick-fil-A.